Don't touch that phone. You're listening to the Mutual Audio Network, and there's no escape. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Once again, Decoder Ring Theater presents another page from the casebook of that master of mystery, that sultan of sleuthing, Martin Bracknell's immortal detective, Black Jack Justice, starring Christopher Mott as Jack and Andrea Lyons as Trixie Dixon, girl detective. There's a popular notion that passes for wisdom that says it's better to deal with the devil you know than the devil you don't. Aside from making a nifty, if underused, slogan for re-election campaigns everywhere, I've never really seen the logic of that one. Not that there are many old saws that you couldn't argue with, given the time and inclination. Red sky at night, sailors delight. Red sky at morning, sailors take warning, for instance. Oh, I know full well that it refers to atmospheric conditions and the predicting of inclement weather patterns, but it's also dangerously dependent on how you interpret sailors delight. Or maybe that's just me. But as for our devils, known and otherwise, there was an onion in that ointment, too. If you deal with the devil you know, there is a comfort level to it. You have a general idea of what you're in for and how badly you're likely to come out. But there's always a chance, isn't there? Always an outside chance that the other devil, the one you don't know, isn't a devil at all, but a door-to-door pitchfork salesman with a bad skin condition. And if you don't spin the wheel, you'll never know, will you? Naturally, the preferred modus operandi would be to not deal with any sort of devil at all. To be the sort that favors plain speaking, honest dealing, and possible pious living for good measure. But the only chance there was of that ever happening would be for old Square John I to replace the hand-painted sign on the smoked glass window that read Justice and Dixon Private Investigations with another one that said, Gone fishing forever, please drop dead. And barring divine intervention or the demise of wealthy and previously unknown uncles, it didn't look like we were ever going to hang that one up. It had been a typical case, in that we'd floundered around blind for a while and got in hopelessly over our heads. And when that grand moment happened, given the choice between devils, we decided to split the difference. I decided to spin the wheel and hope for the pitchfork salesman, which left Jack in the clutches of the devil we knew all too well. Justice, if you don't give me some straight answers, and I mean soon, I'm going to take my old nightstick out of retirement for one last rumba. Don't do it, Sabian. I've got an awful hard head, and old Hickory has a wife and six popsicle sticks at home. Let me ask you something. No joke. There's always a first time. On average, what is the life expectancy of your clients? See, this is why we take lost cat cases. Little old ladies pad the stats. Cute. It's not enough you drop another corpse in my lap. Lieutenant, hand to God. I just found it lying on the floor. What you do with them after you pick them up is none of my business. You're not going to make me come over this desk, are you? Boy, I sure hope not. I'm not sure it'd be that pretty. I will say this very softly, and only once. You'd like me to begin at the beginning? In a nutshell. Very well, then. Billions of years ago, the Earth cooled... Justice! Yes, dear? Not that far back. Ah. Why didn't you say so? Not to put too fine a point on it, but it was a day very much like any other... The office was still as a freshly minted corpse, and nearly half as charming. The girl detective was shuffling papers from her in-tray to her out-tray and back again, in the apparent hope that I would feel compelled to join her in a brisk round of pointless busy work. Fortunately, my resolve held firm in spite of the increasingly withering looks with which she attempted to catch my eye. 
In spite of this exercise, I had sufficient mental energy to gaze out the window and conduct a thorough rethinking of the career choices that had brought me to this point. But then where else could scratching the ears of Mighty King, the crime-busting dog, constitute a good day's work? Sadly, this reverie was broken by the unexpected opening of the grey-green door that proclaimed the words Justice and Dixon, Private Investigations, to a largely disinterested world. Good afternoon. Is it already? Jeez, I worked right through my lunch. I beg your pardon? Please ignore him, sir. Lord knows I wish I could. If this is a bad time... Bad times are our bread and butter, sir. Please have a seat. Well, I... Can I offer you a cup of coffee, Mr... Lever. Harold Lever. I'm Jack Justice. This is my partner, Miss Dixon. Trixie, please. How can we help you, sir? I find myself in a spot of difficulty, and as I'm a visitor to your fair city, I'm ill-equipped to resolve the matter entirely by myself. Ah, the businessman's special. I beg your pardon? Don't be embarrassed, Mr. Lever. There's been quite a bit of this around lately. What hotel? What? What hotel? And do you know if the girl got pictures, or is it just her say-so? Jack. Uh, Mr. Justice, perhaps you could not understand me quite so quickly. I'm sorry? Uh, There is neither a hotel nor a girl in my story, sir. Oops. Smooth, Slick. Smooth. Why don't you put the coffee on like a good girl? Yes, Mr. Dixon. Right away, Mr. Dixon. Whoa. He just assumed Lever was being blackmailed? What's that? Your partner. Seems like a sensitive matter to blurt out like that. It does, doesn't it? For the record, Agent Marino, these things have a rhythm to them. When you interrupt me, I lose my place. My apologies. Carry on. Are all feds this well-mannered? They make us finish charm school before they give us our guns. Aren't you going to write any of this down? You haven't said anything I can't remember yet, or that I might want to. Fair point. In old Square Jaw's defense, he was right. There was a ring of business girls putting a squeeze on out-of-towners lately, and I don't just mean in the regular way. Jack and I were on pretty good terms with most of the local house dicks, and we've made a fair chunk of our recent chump change persuading the girls to lay off. Don't get me wrong, he jumped the gun, embarrassed our prospective client, and was, in no uncertain terms, an idiot. But that's not really the point. I settled Harold Lever into a chair and began to soothe him in the time-honored fashion by taking a seat on Jack's desk opposite him and hypnotizing him with the slow, subtle swing of the girl detective's gumshoot gams. He was promptly pacified in a jittery sort of way and began to spill his story. It stood out from the usual standard in that it wasn't the least bit sordid and sounded like the whole truth and nothing but the truth, which of course made us instantly suspicious. So you see, when the shipment was a week late, I made inquiries... The man at the depot in Potterfield says it never arrived. I've known him for years. He's very trustworthy. The man I bought the bats from says they shipped two weeks ago. He's out of state, but he's promised to send me a copy of his shipping invoice. There's nowhere else they could have gone. Unfortunately, Mr. Lever, there are a number of places they could have gone, and someone seems to be taking advantage of that. The truck carrying the shipment stopped at a warehouse here in the city. According to the shipping company, the crates were to have been moved from one truck to another and been en route to Potterfield in a day at most. But the man at the warehouse says he has no record of them ever arriving. And you think he's lying? What other explanation is there? If you'd like us to find out, our fee is thirty-nine ninety-five a day plus expenses. Of course. You will take a retainer. We would normally request two days. Yes, of course. Twenty, forty, eighty dollars. Jack, would you draw up a contract for Mr. Lever? Sure thing. I just have one or two questions. Jack. Hold your water tricks. Mr. Lever, these five cases of baseball bats, how much are they really worth? To me, they're worth a great deal, Mr. Justice. 
In a few weeks, everyone in the county will start preparing for the new baseball season. If they can't fill their entire order with us, what's to stop them from taking all their business elsewhere? Sure, but... We're a small town, sir. But there are other sporting goods stores in the county. Yeah, but... I have customers that have been buying from us since the store opened 12 years ago. If another store gains their trust and loyalty, I'd be ruined. The worth of these bats far exceeds the simple monetary value of these five crates. Though that in itself is considerable to a man of my limited means. But the shipment wasn't insured. No, sir. Why not? Jack, your receipt, Mr. Lever, and ten cents is your change. Oh, thank you. Jack, is that contract ready? Yes, Trixie. I typed it all up on my invisible typewriter. I hate you. Excellent. The insurance, Mr. Lever. I have never had a problem like this before, Mr. Justice. I have ordered equipment from around the country without ever having to rely on the extra expense of insurance. Possibly why someone tried to get fresh. If they recognized you for a small operator, they might have hoped to make a few extra dollars on the side without any insurance men poking around. I hadn't thought of that. But since I have no proof which of three states the crime actually happened in, I feared the local police might be less than helpful. Probably right. That's their slogan, less than helpful, stenciled right on the side of their prowl cars. I'm sorry? That rustle of carbon paper tells me that your contract is almost ready, Mr. Lever. We'll be in touch when we know something. I didn't like it. And for all her glowering over the typewriter, I could tell Trixie didn't either. Harold Lever's margins were too thin to shell out for insurance on the shipment. But he dropped 80 bucks like we'd asked him for the lint out of his pockets. Since her ladyship had raised the rates, we hadn't had a single client that hadn't dickered us down to our original 35 a day. But not Mr. Lever. And the alleged crime was too screwy. I could see a shipment arriving a few bats light. That kind of thing can happen along the way. I could even see a whole crate going astray if there was a mistake or somebody got ambitious. But five crates? This was either a smudge on somebody's paperwork, or there was something in those crates other than bats. I didn't know which, but for all Trixie's worrying, I wasn't about to talk us out of a fee either. If Harold Lever wanted the warehouse investigated, investigated they would be. Justice, for the love of my Aunt Minnie, would you come to something like the point? We haven't hit the first corpse yet, and I've already lost the will to live. Don't despair, my dear lieutenant. We're coming to the warehouse. This is a good bit and features me at my most heroic. Oh, Christmas. We'd had an uncharacteristic bit of good luck. The shipping depot in question was attached to a warehouse on 38th Street. The owner's name was Russell Shorty McVetty, and since Shorty loved not wisely but too well, and too often, old square jaw and I had handled his first, second, and fourth divorce jobs. We got the job done quickly and didn't pad the expense report enough so you'd notice, and that meant we were all right in Shorty's book. If our luck held, we would soon have a solid line on our client's missing shipment. And what do you think the odds of our luck holding were? Aren't you clever? Can I help yous? Is Shorty in? Who's asking? Jack Justice. Never heard of you. Tragic. I'll have words with my press agent. Fur shall fly, I assure you. Get lost. Is this how you talk to Mr. McVetty's friends? Couldn't say. He don't seem to have a lot of them. What he does have a lot of is smart punks who come knocking. So blow. You're starting to get under my skin, Sonny. Ain't that a crying shame. Can I get a word in edgewise here? He's my guest. He's not really my type. So what's this? You bat your eyelashes at me and I'm supposed to play nice? Oh, kitten. You don't really think I'd let you play nice that quickly, do you? Well, I... Nor am I inclined to bat my eyelashes at just anyone, you know. I didn't. That is... Though now that you look closely, I'm sure you notice what full, lush eyelashes they are, aren't they? Uh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. Oh, Lord. What's that? Don't be jealous, Tiger. He means nothing to me. What? What's your name? Vin. Vin. Just like it says on your coveralls. I do like it when men wear labels. So much easier to keep them organized. Yeah? So, Shortian? Sure. I guess so. You guess so? The light's been on in his office since before I got here. I always thought he was more of a night owl. Yeah, I guess it is kind of funny. But his door's closed. When Shorty closes his door, there's a good reason. You mean you need a good reason to disturb him? I guess so. We're on the trail of some missing bats. Bats? Like for baseball? No, we're from the zoo. What? Yes, for baseball. Oh. You feds? Feds. Why would we be feds? Couldn't say. The last guy was. Little guy? No chin? Nah. He was here too, yesterday. Then the G-man last night. Swell. Stop the case. I want to get off. Why would the feds be sniffing around some missing baseball bats? Couldn't say. But he flashed the badge, and that was good enough reason to knock on Shorty's door. Now I know what trumps your eyelashes. Stow it. You see a name on the badge? Yeah. Marino. Why? Anybody you know? I don't move in those kind of rarefied circles, and I like it that way. What's this about? Well, you're never going to find out standing here. Uh, hey, you can't go up there. You could holler for the boys, Vin, but it's just going to get you a nice big hole in your head, all right? Whoa! Jack! I'm just going to step inside and say hello to my old pal Shorty. Nice and simple. Sure, sure. Don't get excited. Thank you. Sorry to get pushy, kid. But if the suits are into this, I want off in a hurry. And the fastest way to do that is on the other side of this door. Oh. What is it? Trixie, be a deer and ring for Lieutenant Sabian, would you? What is it? What is it usually? Oh. What's wrong? Don't get too excited, Tiger. But it looks like Shorty McVetty's been murdered. You are listening to Blackjack Justice from DecoderRingTheater.com. The life of a private detective isn't one that lends itself too much in the way of sentimentality. People come, people go, people stiffy on the bill. It's the way of it. And as much as we didn't like to incur the wrath of our local PD unless it was completely necessary, we placed a quick and careful call to Sabian's office, elicited a brief but heartfelt promise on the part of Vin the warehouse monkey not to touch a thing, and made tracks. As counterintuitive as it may seem, technically there was no reason to believe that Shorty McVetty's murder had anything to do with us. And that was a loophole we were counting on to protect our licenses as we raced away from the crime scene. There was no proof that it had anything at all to do with our client, his missing shipment of bats, or the mysterious interest of at least one federal agency in them, an interest that has still been largely unexplored and should perhaps be clarified at some point. Like now. What was that? That was your cue, Agent Marino. Don't hold your breath. I'd hate to see you spoil that peaches and cream complexion by turning blue and passing out. You're rude. Thank you. I forgive you because you're unusually pretty for a man. Thank you again. Oh, I didn't say I liked it. I just feel sorry for you is all. Where was I? I'd have to check my program. Ah, uh, yes. Jack and I made tracks to the hotel where our client, Harold Lever, was staying while he awaited word of his late, lamented sporting goods. Our one lead, having recently had his brain splattered around his office by a large-caliber bullet, we didn't have much to report. But if we were going to use business as an excuse for our departure, Jack reckoned we should probably actually do some. We rolled through the lobby of the Metrolite with a quick nod at the houseman, Alf McKinney, and rode up to room 414. 
Jack seemed intent on persuading Mr. Lever to make tracks back to Pawtucket or wherever the heck he'd come from, even if it meant parting with the retainer we had only so recently begun to enjoy. His love for a dollar was tempered by his unreasoning hatred for the feds, which made it all the more ironic when we found the door to room 414 slightly ajar and pushed it open to discover not our client, but a tall, too pretty stranger in a dark suit and sunglasses. Hold it, pal. Take it easy. Give me one good reason why I should. Got a badge in my pocket. Reach for it and you'll need to get your hats custom made. What is it with you and shooting people in the head today? What? You shut up now. No one's talking to you. No way this guy is one of Sabian's boys. Look at him. He's got a neck and everything. What? He does seem a delicate flower, doesn't he? Which pocket is the badge in, Agent Marino? What? What? Don't both look so surprised. The boy at the warehouse said that was the name of the G-man that beat us to Shorty's place. He isn't the only one that beat us to Shorty. What does that mean? It means Shorty's dead. So which pocket? Jacket. Inside left. Drat. Hmm. There it is. Don't see many of those. Not without sending in box tops from my post-toasties. Hilarious. Nice little thirty-two. i I'm glad you approve. is kind of a delicate gun, isn't it? The forty-five's nice and subtle. Mind pointing at somewhere else now that we've established that pointing it at me is a felony offense? Here we go. So what do you think you're doing in Harold Lever's room? Mind if I answer that question with a question? Knock yourself out. Who the blazes are you two? Justice and Dixon. I'm Dixon. He's not. You cops? Detectives. Private. Working for Harold Lever? That's covered by the private. Tough guy, huh? Where's your client? See what he did there, Jack? Almost tripped us up in that clever web of words, didn't he? He did. He really did. You two comedians, laugh it up all you like. If Shorty McVetty's been shot, it means one thing. Harold Lever's in way over his head. Harold Lever is chasing sporting goods across the countryside. Is that what he told you? What does that mean? It means you tell Mr. Lever that the only chance he's got is if he talks to me, and soon. The field's getting crowded. I can protect him. You tell him. I don't much like playing errand boy. Maybe you should have stayed in school. Here's the number of the hotel where I can be reached. Room 323, under Barton. Why Barton? Because Special Agent Marino wouldn't fit in the register. Don't keep me waiting. So now we were in the middle of it. No two ways about it. We had a client who was missing, or at least had the sense to duck out of the fire escape when the feds came calling. We had a G-man who expected us to produce same client, possibly on some sort of silver platter at our earliest convenience. And it was pretty clear that our client had been lying to us, which was hardly a new tune. But it never ceased to stick in my craw. We made our way back to our stylish offices for a rethink, maybe some lunch. You want to order in? I think we better stick to sandwiches. I don't foresee us getting our expenses on this one. We got two days up front. To do a job that's looking increasingly impossible. We can't recover the bats because he's pretty clearly not looking for bats. That the idea? It is. Even if Shorty's death was unrelated... Which it probably isn't. Whatever makes five crates of sporting goods worth hiring detectives over is probably also what makes it interesting to Agent Marino. If you read the contract, you'll notice that we're off the hook if he lied to us. Since when? Since I added that line to his contract. None of this made a lot of sense, and I thought it better safe than refund. Fair enough. So we find him... Tell him that Marino wants to see him, that he can go to blazes. Not exactly the private detective's code. We have a code now. Sure, what of it? Tricks. Let's assume for the moment that those five crates of baseball bats actually held five crates worth of baseball bats. Right. When is a baseball bat worth killing for? When it's more than just a baseball bat? Right. It looks innocent enough. All American, in fact. The perfect cover. Smuggling? Explains Marino's interest. What can you smuggle inside a hollowed-out baseball bat? Diamonds? 
Interesting, but I'm not sure they'd need five crates worth. That's a lot of ice. It's drugs, isn't it? Probably. It would explain why someone blew Shorty's head open rather than leave him around as a clue for the next guy. These people are ruthless. So what do we do? We throw the private detective's code out the window and turn Lever over to the feds. He's bound to come running to us when he realizes he can't go back to his hotel. Jack? Yeah? I think he already did. And that's when I saw the office door, jimmied open and still ajar. A push revealed the joint in greater disarray than normal. A whimper from behind the overturned sofa betrayed the location of a cowering but unharmed king, the crime-busting dog Deluxe. And in the middle of the floor was Harold Lever, stone dead. Strangled by the look of things, which makes a suicide unlikely. And that, my dear lieutenant, was when the girl detective and I went off the clock. And here we are. Will it pass? More or less. Except for two things. Watch, pray tell. Where's Dixon? Having this same conversation across town with Agent Marino. What? I tried to tell her that you wouldn't like playing second fiddle, but she was most insistent. Get your hat! What's the rumpus? So we split the difference. I said get your hat! Now! So that's it? What else is there? Your partner went to the police? There was a corpse on the linoleum. He's funny that way. Well, that's it then. What? Case closed? As you say, what else is there? My client is dead, Marino. That usually means I'm off the case. I didn't know you got off so easy. If Shorty McVetty didn't steal that shipment himself, he knew who did. But he didn't say a word. If a two-bit hoodlum like Harry Lever didn't have a pretty good idea exactly who had his stuff, he wouldn't have made the trip down here playing honest merchant. But if he said a word before he died, we don't know about it. His stuff, huh? So it was drugs? You're very clever, Miss Dixon. It was heroin, and worth a small fortune. There must be a half a dozen players on the board. It's impossible to know who caught up with Lever in your office. So you just punch out and go home? My time is my own. Unless you'd care to let me take you to dinner. Oh, my. Agent Marino, you cad. I find this line of abuse encouraging. How about this one? That feels suspiciously like a gun muzzle in my stomach. Maybe if I redirect it slightly to the south, you'll know just how much I want you to keep your hands where I can see them. Don't do anything crazy. I'll just help myself to the 32, if you don't mind. Now step back, nice and slow. What's that? My heroic rescuers, I expect. Tricks, Dixon! Hello, boys. Jack, be a deer and check Agent Marino's gun, would you? I think you'll find it loaded with soft-tip bullets. Bingo. That's what made us think it was a larger caliber that got McVetty. These dum-dums make an exit wound the size of a fist. Mm-hmm. But what brings you boys by? We had a little help. A John Doe in our morgue was just ID'd as... The real Agent Marino? <laughs> that takes some nerve. I just kept the badge for kicks. You're the geniuses that assumed I was really Marino. He's got a point. Don't he just, though? You clever dicks. We have our moments. Or at least one of us does. Hey... When I repeated the whole story for Laughing Boy here, I realized that we'd never told him how Shorty got his lumps. But he already knew that McVetty had been shot, which made it seem like he was the shooter, and he never said a thing to convince me otherwise. When he started getting friendly, I figured it was probably an excuse to put a bullet in my head before going after Jack, the only other person who could ID him. Remind me again, why exactly did I try and put a stop to this? Aw, Lieutenant... I didn't know you cared. Ah, Christmas. And so it went. Sure, we didn't exactly come off looking like Sherlock Holmes, but in this business, at the end of the day, you 
Count your fingers, your toes, and the money in your pockets. Finding the heroin in the baseball bats and any other number of needles in the haystack was Sabian's problem. With the phony Agent Marina to knock around, maybe he had a chance. We had Lever's 80 bucks, our pictures in the paper, and a citation from the federal government that old Squarejaw had framed and hung over my desk. Mostly to remind me that the devil we knew was usually better than the devil we didn't. Usually. Blackjack Justice, episode 34, The Devil You Know, was written and directed by Greg Taylor and starred Christopher Mott and Andrea Lyons, with additional voices supplied by Hans Messerschmidt, Kevin Robinson, Greg Taylor, and Peter Nickel. This recording and the story, characters, and situations depicted within are the property of their author and creator and protected by copyright. Until next time, remember, DecoderRingTheater.com is your address to adventure. Hi, I'm Persephone Rose, executive producer for Postal Roach and the creator of Emperor Pigs. I'm a huge fan of audio drama, and if you're listening to this right now, I've got a sneaking suspicion you might be too. So make sure your headphones are plugged in tight, because you're going to want to hear this. From July 24th through the 26th in 2020, producers, directors, composers, writers, actors, technicians, and fans of audio drama are gathering together for the world's first international modern audio drama convention in Halifax, Nova Scotia. This is going to be amazing. If you like panels, there's going to be panels. Workshops, they've got them. Studio sessions, swag events, live performances, and most importantly, all your favorite creators are going to be there. You can get all the details and purchase your tickets online at www.madcon.com. That's M-A-D hyphen C-O-N dot com. See you at MadCon. <laughs>